Hi, my name is Chris Heater. I'm an acting major from Michigan State University, and you're listening to Underground Undergrad. People who are listening to this might notice that um, we're on the same audio file right now. You can hear it on one mic, and that's because Chris and I are roommates. We roommates. live together. Hey, cheers. Hey, cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> <clears throat> I hate living with you, dude. You hate living with you, asshole. <laughs> um, so you're an acting major. What what made you want to become an acting major? How did you find your degree? Um... It's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it um, short. Mm-hmm. Uh, in high school, I always wanted to act. I went to a small, private Catholic high school that I won't name because it was a terrible, terrible experience. Um, it's definitely not located in the Lansing area. Definitely not located <laughs> in the Lansing area. It's definitely not Lansing Catholic High School. Um, Who said that? I didn't hear anything. I don't know. <laughs> but um, basically, I went to a very small, private high school, and we didn't have a great theater program, but I was playing sports like six or seven days a week um, and basically put all my time into sports. Yeah, I was a psychology major. My whole thing coming into MSU um, was I've struggled with mental illness uh, for a while um, and I wanted to help people who went through the same struggles. And um, so I was a psych major and then my advisor was like, oh, you want an easy 4.0 class, like take an acting one-on-one class. I was like, Yes, 100%. Um, always wanted to act, but never did it. And it's an easy 4-0. This is going to be awesome. Going into the class, I thought acting was something like singing. I had these things that like acting artists or singers, like you were born with the the talent. Mm. And it's not something that can be taught or learned. Mm. Um, and in the first class, I realized, oh my God, there is so much that you can learn about like, from arts. It's not just, like, natural-born talent. Yeah, it's like a craft. Exactly. Yeah. And I realized the more psychology classes I was taking that I didn't I didn't enjoy learning about it. And so I kind of went through this phase where um, I realized, to me, what is important to never get to an age where I want to stop learning. Something I fear from, like, our parents' generations is that when they get to a certain age, they, they don't want to learn anymore. They do their day-to-day. Keep they their head down. Work, mm-hmm. they, keep, they, they just get through the days. And that's where stubbornness comes from. And mm-hmm. that's where I butt heads with the mm-hmm. baby boomer generation. I realized that there was a cap to psychology. There was going to be a point in time where I would stop wanting to learn about it. And I would just want to make money. And so I realized my values weren't in the right place. So when I started taking these acting classes, I picked up a theater minor on top of my psychology. I was like, there's no way I'm going to put all my eggs into this basket. And I never wanted to audition for a show. I just wanted to learn about theater, acting, whatever, film. And then um, my friend Alec, mm-hmm. who you know, um, there were auditions our sophomore year of college. And he was like, you should try auditioning. Just try it, dude. Just put yourself out there. I was like, no, no, no. Um, still a psychology major at this point. He somehow convinced me to do it. Um, gave me a swift kick in my my butt. Um, you can say ass. He's <laughs> my ass. And um, I auditioned for a show. And um, I remember going in and auditioning. And I did my thing. We don't have to go through the whole process. Nobody really cares. But basically at the end of my... I had no idea what I was doing. I just stood there and... The director um, was like, so do you have anything for us today? And I was like, 
oh yeah, I've never done this before. So, <laughs> and he was like, okay, well you say a monologue. Do you have a monologue? I was like, oh yeah, they made me memorize one of those for oh, class. Oh my God. So I went through this monologue and then at the end, everybody was completely silent and just staring at me. And I was like, oh my God, this was the worst experience of my life. I did horribly. And then I got a call back, which I was really surprised about. Um, ended up coming in with a call back for three very small parts in the play. But the director had me read for the like lead male role and again went into a callback for 30 seconds did a scene and was like all right that was a cool experience but there's no way i got it then like three days later i ended up getting the lead role for the thing and then got emails from directors of the program and a couple different people who said they wanted to meet with me and talk about acting and i was like what is going on like mm -hmm. i can't do this full time and the coolest part about it about how i found acting was that Everything in my life, for the most part, not to get super deep, has been someone else's decision for me. Mm. And this was the first decision that I made for myself. I went into these meetings with the directors of the programs and stuff that they were going to try to convince me to join. But they basically just said, we see something in you and we want you to consider joining. You don't, because I was like, how am I going to make money in this industry? Mm. And then they, uh, they were like, yep, you're completely valid. It's really hard to make money. It's really, really hard. And I was like, wow, like, it's a grind. They didn't like, like bullshit. No, they're not bullshitting. And and that was an amazing part of it. And I was like, okay, if I enjoy this rehearsal process with this play, I'm going to switch my major to acting because I, I know I love acting so much. I have a passion for it. And um, through this whole process, I realized that through art, through acting for me, my biggest thing with psychology was to try to help those going through struggles. And I realized, you know, through listening to music, watching people on film and TV and stuff, these, like, celebrities have had a great effect on my life and the way that I view the world. And they have no idea who I am. And so I realized I can have an effect on somebody, technically without knowing who they are, but I can still live my life for other people just as much as if I was a psychologist mm. as an actor. And so I kind of, yeah, I made the switch. I was like, this is my purpose. This is my passion. And I seriously haven't looked back ever since. And I've been very, very lucky and fortunate enough to get some, get some parts. Cool opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So you're a, you're a BFA acting major. BFA, Bachelor of Fine Arts. Yes. So within the theater department, there's a bunch of different degrees. But the BFA acting one, I guess, I guess is probably the largest and yeah, like it's a, still small. It's still small. <laughs> How many kids are in your grade with you? I, like 15? I have no idea. And probably a little bit more. Yeah. Probably closer to 25 or 30. Oh, okay. And you guys are like a pod. I mean, you pretty much all take the same classes. Like when you guys get your schedule, you're, it's a very rigorous system that you go through to get your BFA. Yeah, it's definitely a pod. Like it's close-knit, but... Um, the thing that I've realized coming into the program later is that I have met a lot of people in different areas and facets of Michigan State University to where I'm not con confined to this very close-knit group of people. It's nice. I really enjoy being in the program. Mm. But to be completely honest, my disassociation from acting, which I think that every artist needs a little bit of, of time to decompress and disassociate from their work tends to be hanging out with people who aren't in the same profession right. as me and who, you know, aren't in that pot. 
So I don't necessarily know a lot of the people within the department, and it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with against them. Yeah. Um, just me personally, I just kind of disassociate from my my craft because I think it can be very. It's good to separate. Yeah, so, I yeah. think it can be different. But you different. guys would have all the same classes together. I mean, you probably see the same ten odd people in every single one of your classes. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And that's a that's a part of it too. Is I see these people all the time. Um, and. You, you mentioned like rigorous. I would say it is really rigorous and that's where you get so close knit within the, the small, small program. Mm-hmm. Um, but joining late, I'm in a lot of different classes. Like people who join the program as a freshman are going to have the same classes for the most part with the same people. But since I joined the program late, I have classes with sophomores, freshmen, mm-hmm. uh, freshmen, um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I've cl- I, ha- I had classes with upperclassmen. Like, my classes are not confined to just senior BFA. Because you joined in when you were a sophomore. Exactly. Did you, so did you join, um, this, so after you did, did you become a BFA the spring of your sophomore year after you did Wrinkle in Time? Yes. Okay. Spring of my sophomore year and was officially in the program this past fall because Michigan State did not switch my major. So, a big part of the degree is being in shows. So the BFAs are required to audition for every single show each semester. And if you get a part, you're not allowed to decline it unless you have like some good reason, you have some other project you're going to do. So on top of classes, you're also in rehearsal. How, what does your daily life look like in your degree? Having both classes and like rehearsals is being pretty much mandatory. Yeah. So it's a little bit different in COVID-19 times. Obviously it's different for everybody, but Let's say a pandemic, a global pandemic, never happened. To be able to catch up on my major, I take 17 to 18 credits a semester, mm-hmm. every semester. So I'll be in class from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. normally, uh, three or four classes. And then I'll take an hour break, uh, and I would go eat, and then I'd have rehearsal from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And rehearsal, for a lot of people that don't know, as it is a part of our degree, we're basically paying some money yeah. for that the one credit in this play show mm-hmm. that we're doing. And we rehearse for four hours a night, like five days a week. Yeah. And then get to a point where we're rehearsing six days a week. And it's almost like a part-time job oh. that you are Paying to do. It's to like do. 20 hours a week. Yeah. 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 Which, and, and I understand it. And I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't have it um, any other way. I think I'm the most productive when I have a very strict and busy schedule. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to not be able to decline something given you have bills to pay and stuff like yeah. that. To go back on it though. So I'd go in rehearsal from 6 to 10 p.m. and then get out of rehearsal and the amount of homework that we have, which again, I know is a good thing. It's good practice. It's just very memorization based, which Mm. takes lots of lots of time. So then I'd come out of rehearsal at 10 and I'd basically do homework until one or 2 AM and start the process again the next day, wake up at 8 AM, get to class by nine, nine to five, six to 10 homework. I remember because when I, um, into the woods last semester. Yeah, I'm also a theater major. People have picked up on that. I'm not a BFA though. But nerd. um, nerd. nerd. Method acting is crazy. Do you want to speak to that at all? Method acting a little bit. Um, people probably think of it as like 
who's like a uh, who's the guy who played the Joker? Heath Ledger. Yeah, and he like went crazy. But yeah, like, Heath Ledger was very method. Um, Marilyn Monroe was method. Uh, really? James Dean. Yeah. No way. Okay. So there was like a period in the fifties, fifty forties and fifties where acting started to change in America, and mm. we get Stanislavski's teachings mm. coming to America. And then these little cults within Stanislavski. So people had different mentors. But the reason, that's a whole different story. We don't have to get into that. But mm -hmm. um, basically, 40s and 50s, we get a new wave of acting in America with the creation of film. And um, it becomes a lot more real and honest. And through that honesty, method acting was kind of born and idolized almost. My personal opinion of method acting is I think <laughs> method acting produces some of the best acting of all time. Mm. I also recognize I've done it, and I think that my best acting has come from method acting. But I also know that there's serious dangers within it if you can't disassociate. Uh -huh. So our professors say method acting bad almost, you know? Really? They yeah. discourage it? Yes. I feel like it's like so encouraged in like a educational space because it's so uh, no really opposite um i have never had a professor say that method acting is a good thing and i understand both sides of the argument i will say for me personally i think method acting produces my best acting but it also is dangerous because you go into these personal battles that you've had with yourself that are deep and dark and you use that to conjure feeling within a character and it gets, it gets dangerous because if you don't set aside time in rehearsal, I'll set aside an hour to method act. And right when my alarm goes off, immediately, like immediate, I'll be like, all right, that rehearsal time is done. Whether I'm in the middle of a scene or whatever, I'm done. Because if I don't have that set time to be in a character and then know in my head when that timer goes off, I'm out of the character, then it could be really dangerous and you get into situations where you almost don't know who you are. When I first came into acting, I have heard of method acting. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. This is where, this is Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest performances of all time, Heath yeah. Ledger as the Joker. But it was dangerous for me because I would start to walk around as his character and literally be like, this is how I'm going to get in tune with the character is be this character all the time. And I did, and I lost a sense of self in that. Yeah, especially if you're playing a character who's like not a redeemable person. Exactly. Exactly. Like in the Heath Ledger situation, like you don't want to be like a deranged lunatic who blows up Batman. I don't know. Exactly. And Heath Ledger, it was an amazing human being and a really good person. A lot of people don't know that. They just hear this story about, yeah, whatever drugs and like yeah. this darkness manifesto that he wrote while he was in the role, and like that's not it. At, that's not it at all. But Anyway, so I really reckon, I think that method acting produces the best work, but you just have to, you just have to be safe with it. Yeah. I think. And some people disagree. Some people think that safety means you're barricading and blocking. A, you're not like tapping into your tap emotional well. Something you're yeah. not tapping into, and I understand that too. But that's just me personally. So MSU's theater program, I guess, isn't really necessarily renowned. I feel like no. a lot of people kind of have this belief that the only way to make it in theater at all or acting at all is to go to either U of M, uh, like Tisch, 
or Pace or like either somewhere in Manhattan or the University of Michigan. Right. What do you have to say to that? Like what what why do you why do you like it here at MSU? Why do you not like it? Here? Like um, what kind of opportunities has MSU offered you here? No matter where you are, no matter where you are learning, I think it's on you to um, get the most, get the least, get whatever you want out of it, right? Mm. So obviously if I'm at NYU and I'm in their two-year conservatory conservatory program, I'm probably going to have a very rigorous schedule and I'll probably have connections out of school to where I can do this. Mm -hmm. The dangers with MSU is we don't necessarily just have those connections. I think that we have great faculty. I think that we, the best part about the faculty is they care about us Mm -hmm. and our learnings. So I can't speak for any other school or anything, but I have a very personal and and great relationship with almost all my professors to where I can go to them and get help. And these people have traveled the world doing theater and Broadway and lost. They're Angeles. credible. They're very credible. I don't think anyone knows that. Like No, they think yeah. public university four year BFA program, it's like, oh, the Kishikaka. Like, yeah. That's that's not it at all. Something I will say though is that being at MSU, most of the learning, and I'm sure other BFAs can agree to this, um, it's on you to learn. So, like, I realized just going to class and going through the motions, like those sophomore into my first semester of junior year, I realized that's not enough for me to get what I need out of this program. So what else do I do? I start learning on my own. So, like, when I don't have a... a, two months of rehearsal, though that six to 10 time is out of classwork and learn on my own, like almost disassociated from my classes. So yeah, we might not be that much of an esteemed program, but you have to set yourself up as an actor mm-hmm. for the life that you want coming out of grad, coming out of um, undergrad. And I think that's feasible no matter where you are because all it has to do with is just personal drive. It's like if I want it bad enough at Michigan State and I want to be a great film actor, I'm going to do that. I know I'm going to do that. But if I'm at NYU and I'm going through the motions and I'm not as passionate about it, then I'm not going to have as many opportunities as I would out of Michigan State. So I think it's more about personal drive than it is about necessarily the institution right and it's not like everyone that goes through those those incredibly prestigious programs automatically gets like a certificate and a role on broadway or something you know there's still there's still that hustle and there's still a huge percentage of people that once they get in don't really do anything once they get out right it's it's more about the person i think you are at the end of the program than the person you are going into the program yeah it's very personal it's not mess- it's not like cookie cutter like yeah it's not like oh you're a star now yeah. we'll, oh, make you're a star. Star. we'll make you a star boy um, <laughs> but basically long story short the opportunities that msu provides um i don't think michigan state puts enough enough time and um what do you call that branding or marketing into the arts program yeah. at all but those faculty members do so much with so little and i'm mm-hmm. very thankful for for those professors and um, the time that they put into the students because it's mm-hmm. not they don't just set up hoops to jump through they set up stuff that is seriously seriously going to help us later in life if you had unlimited resources what would you want to do with your degree in five years what I want to do with my degree 
So I want to do TV and film. Not in a pompous way, though. Not for fame. Because to me, that's the most real and pure form of, of acting. And a lot of people would probably be surprised to hear that. But I would love to be doing feature films. Not as much television, even though that's a really good, consistent paycheck. Mm -hmm. I would love to be working with different directors. Obviously, I have dreams of working with Scorsese, mm -hmm. Tarantino, Greta Gerwig. Oh, yeah. I love that woman. Um, She's phenomenal. She really is. And those are like my dreams, my dreams. Um, so within five years, I would love to work with those prestigious directors on feature films in any capacity. Um, but the main thing for me is just in five years in an ideal world, I'd be living completely off acting and specifically in film and TV because to me that's the most honest and true form of just living life in front of a camera, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. All right. Chris, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me, Case. It was great to uh, walk out into the living room and <laughs> sit down at our coffee you table. Sitting here awkwardly. Oh, um, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Any projects, social media, anything like uh, that? Um, yeah, so uh, I have a podcast. You have a podcast? Yeah, with somebody. <laughs> now, who? Who Who do you have a podcast His with? name's Case. I've never uh, heard of that guy. <laughs> uh, I guess I have, yeah, this podcast we're on season two of. There are two episodes called <laughs> The Boys, B-O-I-X, on um, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And um, I have I have stuff in the works, but nothing I can necessarily for sure talk about um, at the moment. But I use my social media to update people on films or projects that I have going on. So follow me on Instagram at chris.heater68 and Twitter <laughs> at The Real Heats. And thanks for over-pronunciating that. I'm definitely just going to put it in the bio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're like listening and typing it in. Like, oh yeah, dot yeah, we H E E. <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. no problem. This was awesome. Yeah, I'll see you in as soon as I turn off the microphone. Yep. Underground Undergrad is an original podcast through the State News, written and produced by me, Case DeConing. Are you a current MSU undergrad with an unusual degree? Follow the link in the description to potentially be featured on this podcast.